So we are working as a church family through Matthew's gospel, morning and evening in different ways. In the mornings, we're going through a chapter a week, and then we're reading it in preparation for coming to Sunday mornings as we teach and reflect and learn about it. On Sunday evenings, what we're doing is we're, we're looking at Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount and what he has to say about some of the, the really practical things in life, uh, the, the everyday stuff that seems to just occupy our minds an awful lot of the time. And what we're going to do over the next four Sunday nights is go into a little series within that on relationships and uh, sexual ethics and, and, and all of that practical stuff that, that seems to get talked about an awful lot out there and not very much in here. And yet Jesus had an awful lot to say about it. and The Bible has an awful lot to say about it. So what we're going to do tonight, um, these services are all going to feel a little bit different at times. What we're going to do tonight is I'm going to read from a few places in, in the New Testament. And then I'm going to invite three people up to speak, three people who, who belong to our church family, who are fantastic communicators. And they're going to speak tonight on the subject of, of singleness and what the Bible has to say about singleness. And we're going to do this in three different sections. The first section we're going to think about, Sarah's going to come and talk about singleness and the importance of church family and church community. And then Maddie's going to come and speak about singleness and purity. And then I'm looking for him. Where do you go? Chris is over here. And Chris is going to come up finally and talk about singleness and the opportunity that the Bible speaks of when you are someone who is single. So let me read. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, and I'm not going to read this, but I'm just pointing to it. From verses 27 through to about 32, and then later on as well, Jesus talks about relationships, and he talks about purity, and he talks about what it looks like when relationships break down. And then he unpacks some of that teaching in Matthew chapter 19. And I want to read these few words. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 19 from verse 1. This is an extension of his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's in response to a question he's asked. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea, to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for, for any and every reason? And Jesus said, haven't you read? And he's talking about what we see in the book of Genesis at the very start. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. 
So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. And the disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, is it then better not to marry? And Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who have been born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made um, eunuchs by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And the one who can accept this should accept it. And then I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and just read a couple of words that the Apostle Paul gives us. And again, it's in the context of, of relationships, in the context of marriage. And then Paul says, And now to the unmarried and the widows among you, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better for a person to marry than to burn with passion. There are lots of places in the Bible that talk about, about relationships and marriage and what it looks like when marriage is break down. But equally, there are lots of places in the Bible that talk about singleness. You look at Jesus' life. And without any question or any doubt or any argument, Jesus was the most fulfilled, the most complete person that ever walked on the face of the earth. And he was single. He wasn't married. And yet he was perfectly fulfilled and, and complete in every single way. And we fast forward 2,000 years and... And we think about sort of the tone of our conversations and the, the, the default attitude that we carry around church. And I think there's an assumption that normal equals married. And yet I don't see the Bible teaching that. Don't get me wrong, marriage is, is, is a gift of God. But the Bible is really clear that it's not for every person. And yet sometimes the language we use from the front of church conveys a sense, this is a family service or a family event. And it's not our intention, and I apologize if I've done this, but sometimes that kind of language can leave people who are younger and haven't found a partner who are older and haven't found a partner, who have received a calling from God to be single, or who've been married and their partner has passed away, 
or the relationship hasn't worked out, who find themselves coming to church on their own, can feel very much on the fringe of church life. And yet that's never, ever what it was intended to be. I want to pray, and then I want to invite Sarah to come. And then she's going to speak for a little bit and then pass over to Maddie. He's going to speak for a little bit and then pass over to Chris. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you don't tell us to come to church as family. You tell us to come to church and be family. And that's quite a different thing. So right at the very start of tonight's service, we want to we want to say sorry, Lord, for any time the language that we have used or the intent behind the thoughts and the language have, have made people feel unwelcome or isolated. Because, Lord, you are building us into a family. With Jesus Christ at the center. And you call us to love one another. So tonight, Lord, in this journey of teaching, speak to us and bring inspiration. Speak to us and, and bring healing Speak to us, Lord, and show us how to be family better. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good evening, everyone. Um, thank you very much for this opportunity to come in and speak tonight about singleness. And actually, it's great to see um, a range of people here tonight, actually married people, um, people who are part of couples. So thank you for that um, support. I guess what I want to look at tonight, um, yes, looking at sort of living in community and the importance of that, but first I want to address the issue or the struggle of loneliness or isolation that um, singles may feel. And I know that I'm coming at it from my experience and my, um, you know, as a single um, female, but actually, um, as Gareth was saying, there's lots of other um, different types and different kinds of singleness. So rather than using sort of my own words to, to start off, I thought um, I'd use from um, a survey that I found about um, singles in churches in the UK. And this is what one person said. <clears throat> For me, it isn't about not feeling accepted at all. It's, not, it's about feeling lonely. You can be surrounded by people who accept you and still feel lonely. I'm sure that a lot of singles can identify with that. Um, it might not be for a whole month or a whole week or a day, but it could just be moments or certain days, certain times that actually they do feel lonely, uh, whether that's in church or, or at home. And what I want to start off with um, and say is that loneliness, it's not, it's not necessarily a bad feeling. And I think sometimes um, we can be a bit scared to admit that actually we can feel lonely or we are lonely at those certain points. So maybe um, if you're sitting here tonight and you're single and you think, actually, I've never admitted that, I've never said, I do feel lonely, um, whether it's now or, or in the past, I really encourage you tonight just to have a wee think about 
unloading that either um, through prayer ministry or with um, some close friend that you have or just taking time with yourself with God and just being honest about that when we look in the Psalms you know um, there's so many times that the Psalms has been so brutally honest and just said how they have felt in that moment and so there's nothing wrong with doing that with God and I think there's a fear of of feeling of weakness or guilt or shame um, and I really hope that tonight that when you leave here that you feel that actually there's none of those feelings surrounded by it, that it's okay to say that you are lonely. And actually whenever you're saying that you're lonely, I think it's almost displaying what, um, what the church should be. It's, it's your heart yearning for what the, should, uh, the church should be. It should be living in community with, with other people. And that is, that's what God intends for the church. And for those who are, who are lonely, um, you know, what does the Bible say about that? Well, in Psalm 68, verse 6, it says, God sets the lonely in families. And you might think, well, at first glance, that doesn't make any sense because you know, I'm feeling this loneliness because I don't have a spouse or children. But then we look at it again, we think, actually, you know, what, Gareth, what Gareth has been saying um, this morning and today, we are all one family we're all part of God's family. In Ephesians um, chapter 2, verse 19, it says, You're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household or members of his family. So that's what we are. We are family and we're here to care and support for each other and look out for each other when we are lonely um, and have those feelings. So then as, as a family, whether you're married or single, what are some of the ways that we can sort of move through this loneliness and live in this community? Well, the first thing I want to say is actually we should talk about it. Uh, we should talk about singleness. I think sometimes um, as singles we can put up a defence if somebody asks us if we're single. We can um, be quite annoyed if somebody asks that question or maybe the way they've asked that question. But to just ignore it and not mention it at all, I don't think is going to be helpful. It's not part of church, not part of our community. So I think actually asking that question, you know, are you single? How, how is everything? How is it going? I think that's okay. What the danger is if, we, if we're using some of those cliches that have maybe hurt people in the past before, um, oh, why aren't you married yet or, or so on, because Marriage isn't the goal for, for everyone. There are singles who, who will not be married. So we're not going to come with that sort of assumption or that expectation that because they're single, they will get married at some point. But to actually just ask them, well, how is it? Same as you would ask a married couple or a newly married couple, well, well how's it going? Um, I think that's, that's okay to, to be asking that question. And maybe as singles, maybe we need to take a step back and, and not be so defensive or not take something as an offence if we're, we're asked about that. Because if people don't ask, then, then they're not going to know. They're not going to know that maybe you're feeling lonely. And how can they help and, and support if they don't know that? And then finally, a very practical way is um, inviting or including people in either family situations or different, um, maybe inviting to dinner or so on. Um, you know, preparing for this, I was trying to think back to you know how many people have asked me um, about my singleness. How many people have invited me for dinner, just me on my own? Um, I don't think many people have and I don't say that to um, put shame on you or to make you think oh we must ask her next week for dinner um, but to actually think 
maybe, you know, it is that we're, we think that it might be a bit awkward. Um, we think that, oh, if we just ask that one person, it's going to be a bit weird because we're a couple and, and we have a family here. Um, but actually, when I think about the times I've spent with couples or families, I really enjoyed it. I really benefited from it. In fact, last night when I was um, babysitting for a couple, they came back and we were just sitting there for about half an hour just having a chat and there was no awkwardness. It wasn't weird. Um, you know, they didn't have to find somebody else to bring in so that, you know, there was another extra person there. And I really benefited from that. And, and not that I'm taking notes on, oh, this is how marriage should be. But actually, I learned from them and I think maybe they can learn from me too. Um, so maybe that's something that you could maybe think about tonight. Not going up to someone as a, as a project or we'll find a single person, we'll make a friends with them and invite them places. But maybe there is somebody that God is calling you to maybe look out for. Um, maybe they are feeling lonely or isolated. So how can we reach out to them a bit more? So I know that I've just sort of unloaded a lot of, of things on you um, now, but um, I maybe just want to finish up with just praying that over us um, before I hand to Maddie to go on to the next point, because I really think it'd be good for us just to, to think a wee bit more onto that. And if there's anything that I've said that um, maybe you do need to go through um, those feelings of loneliness, or maybe you do need to say sorry for maybe those words that you have, have said that maybe have caused hurt to somebody, um, please do come for, for prayer ministry at the end, or um, grab somebody that you know and you trust to just to, to talk through and, and to pray through that. But for the moment, we'll just um, close our eyes and I'll just just pray for us all. God, we thank you that that we are all part of your family. God, we just pray for those who are feeling lonely at this moment. We pray that um, tonight would be such a difference for them, that they would leave this place knowing that they're loved uh, and cared for in this family, in this church family. God, I just pray that you would just be placing people um, on our hearts for us to go and to reach out to. Whether that's to just have a a chat with or to invite to somewhere. God, I just pray that you would just be moving in this place um, and creating more connections with your family, God. Amen. Hello. Um, Okay, so I am going to talk about purity, um, and I want to start off by reading a Bible verse from First Thessalonians 4.7, which says, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. And uh, as I was looking over this, um, it really sort of clicked that an impure life is a life where God is not at the center. In the New Testament, we hear about two commandments, and they are, love your God and love your neighbor. First, we love God, and then we love our neighbor. For pure lives, it is essential that God comes first. And it must be in this order. Deuteronomy 10.13 says, And to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. God's commands aren't just for him. They're for us. They affect us in such a positive way. Um, It's kind of like this domino effect that impacts each section of our lives. And when we really love God, 
we can see our whole world change. But the same happens if we get these commandments sort of flipped or reversed, or we forget to love God first. And if we go from not loving God to loving people, then this can actually have quite a negative impact in our lives. Because we get this love from God that we can't actually get from anyone else. This indescribable love that God gives us, we can't get from people, but we still continue to look for people or look from it from people. And this is when the concept of sexual impurity comes from. Um, but the Bible doesn't always just talk about sexual impurity. It also talks about impurity of our heart, mind, and soul. And I actually think these are all really interconnected. That when we get one, we're bound to follow with the others. And I, I think it's safe to say that we've all kind of got these a little bit flipped. Um, we've all got these wrong and we have faltered. We are only human. We do sin. And I think it's important that we are open and honest with ourselves and that we say, yes, I have done this. Um, and when I was, when Gareth had asked me to do this, um, he had sort of wanted me to talk about does singleness actually help us see our impurities and our impure lives or make us aware of the lives that we live? And I kind of rattled my brain a little bit. And honestly, Gareth, I don't really have an answer for you. Sorry. Um, because I think that it is different for every single person here. I myself am what's called a people introvert. So I love hanging out with people. But if we go for coffee, I won't say anything because that's what I do. I like spending time in silence, but I love going and meeting people for coffee and doing stuff like that. But actually, I have learned that this is a good way for me to look at my life. I meet up with people and friends who I really, really trust and turn around and they can really show me if I'm walking away from God, they help me to just turn back towards him. And if I do forget about loving God first and then loving others, my friends and the people who I love that I surround myself with are really good at pointing me in the right direction. And this is why community is so important. And this sort of teals off a little bit of what Sarah was saying. And if you've noticed someone who is really hurting, if you've noticed someone who is actually feeling really, really challenged and something's just off, you know, the way we can tell that someone, you sit there and go, there's something wrong, there's something not, not right there, then it's our duty to go up to them. The first commandment is to love God. The second commandment is to love our neighbor. And I don't mean by doing that typical Northern Irish thing when you walk up to someone and go, how are you feeling? They go, I'm fine, how are you? And then you go, I'm fine. And then you sort of spread and you go off home and have a delicious lunch. I mean truly loving your neighbor. And if you go up to them, don't, you don't have to go up in front of their friends or who they're about and go, okay, I haven't seen you in a while, are you okay? And expect them to go, you know what, I'm really, really struggling right now in front of everyone. But actually, if you truly love that person, 
Just talk to them like they're regular human beings. Don't look at them in any different way. And invite them for dinner and invite them out to lunch. Say, I haven't seen you in a while. Let's go out for coffee. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's what the biblical definition of loving your neighbor is. Truly spending time with them and really caring about them. At the end of the day, we spend time with the people that we love. So let me ask you this question. Is God on the top of that list? To live pure lives, we must love the Lord first and love our neighbor second. And if you're not sitting here, or if you're sitting here and going, I'm really not sure um, where God is on my list, then I'm going to be honest, you might have some priorities that might just need a bit flipped. But that's okay, because everyone feels like that. I felt like that, and I'm sure everyone else here has also felt like that. And it is a struggle to be honest with yourself. Um, but it's so important, and this is why the community of church is so important in each individual life, especially if you're single, but also especially if you're in a loving relationship. And if you are struggling to remain pure, and if you are struggling to truly love God, you aren't alone. But what helps us is the people we surround ourselves with and the determination to actually love God. And this is such a personal thing. I can't tell you how you really can deal with it because I've only learned with how I look at my life and sort myself out. But I've only been able to do that because I've had friends who have helped me or mentors who have helped me. Because this is so personal, um, I want everyone to close their eyes. And if you truly struggle by remaining pure, um, I want you to pray with me Psalm 51.10, which says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew my steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So the question is, how can, how can we create a pure heart? And honestly, I, we just got to pray about it. I think that's the easiest answer I can, I can give. And it is a difficult one, and it's difficult to, to be brutally honest with yourself. But pray and ask God for guidance and to purify your heart. But don't just sit there and do what I like to call the tick box prayer, where you sit there and you go, okay, God, my dad's not well, pray for him. My friends, you know, aren't really going to church, so pray for them. But a relationship with God requires conversation. How many of you have had those friends that you're really good friends, but all they do is just sit and chat? and you don't get a word in, you go, see you later, and you just disappear and don't talk to them for a week. It may seem like that, but I, I, I just can't comprehend how we can have a loving relationship with God if we just do a tick box prayer. It's a conversation, and it's okay to sit there in silence. And actually, the silence is really cool, 
because you get to respond or God gets to respond and you can just sit and listen and be in the love of God. And if you're sitting here and thinking, yeah, that's, that's something that I need to sort out. Um, I'm worried that I'm going down the path of impurity. That's okay, but there's people here to help. There's prayer ministry in, in the corner over there. And I urge you that if you are struggling to go um, and get prayer, because be, the guys will be willing um, to help each and every one of you. Good evening, everyone. I'll maybe set this um, It's really good to be here. Um, it's great to have an opportunity to be able to share with you this evening. Um, I suppose I'll, I'll let it from the start. I'll put my hands up. I'm, I'm guilty. Um, I stick my hands in the air. Currently, I guess in my life, I, I find myself in a situation where the long-term goal is, is ultimately marriage. Um, I am in a relationship at the minute, um, and, and I guess you wouldn't be in that situation um, if there wasn't any long-term potential. Um, Having said that, though, um, that doesn't mean that, that God can't speak through his word, um, where we're going to read from. Um, he can't use me to, to speak through um, to, to you guys as well. Um, and I've still learned an awful lot myself through doing this. Um, I guess at the same time as well, un, until the day that there's a ring on someone's finger, um, I'm still single. I'm not really married. Um, and so there's still like a relative singleness as well. Okay, so if there's anyone else out there, you're in the same position, you know, until, until the day comes, you, there's still stuff to be learned about singleness. But I want to look um, at what the Bible actually has to say regarding singleness. Um, and in specifics, um, we want to talk about opportunity to serve. Um, we all love to serve, but um, specifically um, if you're single. Um, and I'll give the main point away now. Um, it's all for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, it's all for the sake of the kingdom of heaven whenever uh, it comes to opportunity and singleness. I want to read again um, from the, the ending of what Gareth read out from Matthew 19, verse, uh, verse 10 until the end of 12. Um, and it says this, Jesus' disciples then said to him, If this is the case, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, he said, Not everyone can accept this statement. Only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs by others, and some choose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. And so in this complicated conversation about marriage and divorce, um, it comes to the, the disciples and they say this statement. You know, it's not really a question. They say, it's better not to marry, isn't it? Jesus, it's better not to marry. Um, and the words of Jesus then are, are that not everyone can accept it. You know, they almost take the punchline. Um, they think they're going to take the punchline out of Jesus' mouth. But he says, no, not really, because not everyone can accept it. Um, and we see that when we look around in our society today. Th- there's marriage everywhere. Um, great. It, as, it's a gift of God. It's there to be used. Um, so it's clear that, that not everyone can accept um, this idea of singleness. But we're, we're assured that God is there to help in that. Um, it is there you know, God, God will help you through that. He says, um, Jesus, he says that some were born as eunuchs. Some may have been made this way eunuchs. And I'm not really going to focus too much on that. Um, essentially, it would be a man who doesn't really have the part to then go on and make children and therefore sort of feels called then to the, the life of singleness. You can ask maybe your mum or your dad about it later. Um, I'm... 
yeah, I haven't asked the question yet either, so I'm, I'm hoping that's right. But those are the first two types, right? Um, the third thing he says, however, are there are those who choose not to marry. Um, Jesus says that the reason not to marry is for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Essentially, there's complete service to God. Um, within this, though, I'd be willing to suggest that singleness, um, it doesn't really come from convenience. I don't really think it's... By what Jesus is saying here, it doesn't sound convenient to be single. Um, he's not really saying, yeah, do you know what? If you feel that that's what is, is comfortable for you, then, then go with it. Um, there seems to be more of, of this idea that there needs to be like a calling or maybe you feel that you find yourself in it. Um, because he says that, that let anyone accept it who can. And it just doesn't seem that it's easy to accept. And so the calling of singleness, whether it's for a season, whether it's for your whole life... Um, it may be hard to accept, but we're assured that with God's help, um, that it's something Jesus says um, that can be accepted and that it's used, importantly, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Um, the Apostle Paul um, in 1 Corinthians 7, um, not, not the bit that Gareth read, but there's a wee bit after, um, and he offers more thought on singleness, but we, we were reminded well that um, he wishes that everyone were single, um, but he, at the same time, completely understands that everyone has got different gifts. Um, perhaps a wee bit of an illustration. I would love it if everybody um, in the world had the same love, appreciation uh, for speciality coffee that I do. I see a few smiles of people around that, that know, yeah, yeah, of course, and other people are rolling their eyes and thinking, what on earth is he talking about? But we all have different tastes, and in the same way, God gives different gifts, and, and this sort of echoes back to what Jesus was saying. You know, it's something that, that is to accept, and if this is God's call um, on your life, um, well, then it's for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. I want to focus on verse 32. Um, it's, it's not actually a direct command from God, but, but Paul um, says it's his wisdom that has been given from God, and, and there's plenty of other of Paul's wisdom that we want to, uh, that we trust in the Bible. And so, for this, it's the exact same. We can learn so much from it. Um, and it says this: It's First Corinthians chapter seven, verse thirty-two, and, and a bit onwards. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please Him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Um, I think those, those verses are, are quite powerful whenever you read them. There's such a contrast. It's not even like Paul focuses on, on men who aren't married. He focuses on men and women, and he, and he mentions those who are married and those who are unmarried, and it comes down to this idea of these distractions or, or what your focus is on. Um, but when we come back to singleness, you know, why, why, why could you accept it? Um, why could you accept the call of it? Um, well, that's where the thoughts on, on the opportunity of service are really hammered in here by what Paul has to say. Um, he implies not to marry so that you can be free from the concerns of this life. Someone who is unmarried can spend their time, there's three amazing things, serving for the kingdom of God, doing the Lord's work, and thinking about how to please him. 
that ties in actually really well with what Maddie was talking about um, impurity. I and mean, we obviously didn't plan this all together, but it's, it's amazing how this sort of weaves all together. Serving for the kingdom, doing the Lord's work and thinking about how to please God. Paul says this is all for your benefit and it's not to place restrictions on you, um, but to help you serve the Lord for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And I would love to offer some encouragement. Um, We've looked at at Jesus and we've looked a wee bit about what Paul had to say on singleness. And and arguably they're two, they probably are the two most influential people in the New Testament. I wouldn't, they're not comparable in influence. Obviously Jesus is is on a a much higher level than Paul, but um, both both pretty influential. Um, Jesus, as we are aware, lived a perfect life in obedience to God. From the age of 12, you know, he was capable of mixing it with the religious leaders, offering wisdom. And when we pick up um, the story um, of his ministry in, in the accounts of the gospel, there's this incredible relationship that he had with the Father that seems to be at the center of everything that he did, endlessly serving for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And we're so thankful for what's been recorded in this ministry. That's what our lives essentially are being shaped on now. As we come every week to church, as we study um, in our personal times, this is what we, we read. We read about what Jesus did, and we try to apply that to our lives. Um, perhaps for a moment, think um, of what would Jesus' ministry look like if, if he was married? As Paul talked about, you know, a married man has to think about the responsibilities of marriage. He thinks about his wife. Potentially today we think about what it's like to have a home, to have maybe uh, joint incomes, all that sort of stuff. It's all ahead of me, right? Um, you've also maybe got kids to throw in there as well. There's all these responsibilities that are class responsibilities, but, but they're things that you have to think about nonetheless. And instead, Jesus wasn't. Um, he was single um, and he had all that, um, all of his attention focused on serving um, his father. And, and Paul is the exact same, you know, we talk about serving for the kingdom of heaven and, and what a great person to be able to look up to. Um, after his conversion, he was, he was pretty much prepared to take his life um, and use it for the gospel, even if it was up to death. Um, there's a great verse that he writes in Acts 20, 24, and he says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. He was, a man, he was a man who was in prison on countless occasions all because of his service to God and he certainly seemed to have grasped this idea, um, this gift that he had in his life, his calling of, of singleness. God helped him to come to grips with it as, as Jesus said God would um, and he was certainly someone who was able to grasp it for the sake of the kingdom. And um, I obviously can't, can't tell um, where everybody is this evening, whether you're single, whether you're married or not, but we all do, as Christians, have a calling to go and serve, but, but I would love you, um, if you are single, you know single people, um, what, what can that practically look like then to go out and serve? Um, do you have weeks of holidays where you're basically off to yourself and you can go off to anywhere in the world and go and spread um, the news of Jesus? What can it look like? Um, in your work that you can just pour into the lives of people who don't know Jesus because they can become your focus in your mission field um, without sort of you know talking down marital relationships or anything like that but you, you essentially you don't have you know the focus of, of someone else to be going home home to and, and putting your all your thoughts and all your emotions into instead you can use that all for the sake of Jesus and I'm sure um, that that there's, there's people like Jesus, people like Paul, all throughout the rest of the Bible, even in modern day, um, people in this church, I'm sure, no doubt as well, um, have lived these incredible lives of service. 
um, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven um, all through this this calling, um, this season, whether it was their whole life um, of singleness. And so I think that's sort of where we're, we're going to finish off this evening. Gareth is going to come up and lead us into the next part. Chris, thank you. I can invite the band back up at this stage as well. Um, three things as we finish. The first thing is I'm going to have to stop wearing socks on stage. Notice none of our speakers are wearing socks. It's interesting. <laughs> um, just a random fact. I don't know if you maybe missed that behind the communion table. Um, seriously, though, two actually important things. The first one is this. I want to, to honor and to thank people who have lived lives of singleness. Uh, I think about my own story and my own walk, both in my family and my call into ministry as a youth worker and as a minister during our time. We're having children and, and during the time when Archie was ill. And I think about the people who poured themselves into my life. And I think especially about the, the countless hours of time given and, and prayers prayed by people who were single in that season, who for a while made my family their family to support me and to support Lara and to carry us through that time. And I look around this church, and I'm only here seven months, and I, I don't pretend to know all of your stories, but I've had the privilege of getting to know some of your stories. And I think about some of the single people who I have gotten to know and how they have poured their lives into Orangefield, into your lives, into your children's lives, and the difference that they have made, whether their singleness has been for a season or it's been a call of God for their lives. And I want to honor you and I want to thank you. It's not an easy journey to walk, but it's one that is absolutely appreciated and honored in this community. And so thank you. The second thing is this. There's a saying in our society, blood is thicker than water. You've heard it? Yeah? That's not our aspiration as church. And I'm not saying we play down our relationships with our family because you know, I, I, I love my wife, I love my children, I would die for them tomorrow if I had to. But in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is with his disciples and someone says to him, oh, your, your, your mom and your brothers are outside. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you are my mother, you are my brothers. And he's not dismissing his relationship with his biological family. That is so important to him. You see that throughout his whole life. What he's saying is that what God is doing in our midst is something different and something better. And that's hard for us to fully appreciate. But what God is doing here in Orangefield and in other congregations is he's creating family that should be even stronger. So look to the person to your left. Just do it now. Look to the person to your right. And if you're related to both of them, look behind you or look in front of you and stop looking so smug. And think, what does it look like to love that person the way I love my own mother or father or child or family member? Welcome to family. Because that is what God is making us into. Let's pray and then I'm going to hand back over to the band.
We call you Father because that's what you invite us to, to call you. And you call us children, sons and daughters. Because through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been adopted into your family, God. And so help us to love each other as family. Help us to treat each other as family. Help us to disagree with one another as family do in a way that the bond is unbreakable. And help us to make up and to reconcile in the way that family do. Lord, bind us in love to every single person here who worships in this community of Orangefield. And in this next season, help us to to step into Christian relationship with new people and allow ourselves to open up in a new way. Father, I want to pray especially tonight for those who have come to church on their own and who are going to go home to a house tonight that is empty. And I ask, Father, that you bless and you honor. I ask that your spirit fills and that tonight they especially have such a sense of your presence and your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.